Genesis 45. You knew where I was going, huh, Brother Joe? <laughs> Genesis 45, me and Brother Joe has talked about this some. Uh, we, we, we at the church at Sure Anchor uh, went through the book of Genesis two years and seven months on Sunday evenings. And I tell you, it was fantastic. Uh, it, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Uh, I love the this one begat, this one begat, this one part. Because it's in Genesis, it's, it's loaded. Uh, all that's loaded. And uh, what's planted in Genesis is going to grow throughout the rest of the Bible. It's the seedbed of God's, of God's whole thing. And in the book of Genesis, we can find everything we need to know uh, about, about, about God's plan, about God's, God's, God's way. And the, 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 we, we know types and shadows, and I think you can go crazy trying to type and shadow everything. Uh, I think some things just are what they are. But I feel like the best type probably in the Old Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ is Joseph. Hear me tell you, I never find Joseph messing up. I find Abraham messing up. I find Isaac messing up. I sure find Jacob messing up, right? I find Moses killing a man. I find David being a, you know, doing what he done. I find all these people. But I'm not saying that Joseph was sinless because we know he's a man just like we are. But man, he lived an impeccable life. And, and, and I want to set, th- before we read the scripture, I want to set things in order uh, real fast, and, and I don't want to be real long. Uh, if, if you want to title this, I'm going to title this the, the Gospel in Genesis 45. The Gospel in Genesis 45. So in first thir- uh, chapter 37, Joseph is introduced to us as, the, as, as, as one of the favorite sons of Israel, of Jacob. And, and, and he came into his own, and his own received him not. Kind of sound familiar, don't it? Uh, as this happened, he comes to his brother and said, y'all are going to bow before me. I've seen the, the picture of the sheaves. I've seen the, the, the vision of the stars and all such as this. And, and, but just like the Lord Jesus Christ, he was despised and rejected. We find that he was sold for a slave's wages. 30 pieces of silver has always been a slave's, wages, a, slave's, a slave's price. But then, since chapter 37, we find as he went to Egypt, he was put into the prison. He was he lied on by Potiphar's wife, the whole story. But then God does something. God highly exalts him. He gives him a name in Egypt above all names, which is Zapeth Paneah, which means Savior of the world. The Egyptians realized who he was. Not that he was Christ, but man, he saved their bacon. He saved their bacon. He said there's going to be seven good years, seven bad years, and, and we, you know, and they blessed, they blessed Joseph for who he was. Now chapter 42 rolls along. And they find that there is corn in Egypt. As they find there's corn in Egypt, there's something that begins to happen. They begin to get, find themselves hungry. And even though they in no way, shape, or form would ever search back for Joseph, their hunger drew them to Joseph. Kind of sound like what happens to us, don't it? In verse 21 of chapter 42, they find themselves guilty. In verse 35 of 42, they find themselves afraid. But then they go away. He gives them just enough to want to draw them right back. Just enough to draw them right back. They go away, but then, lo and behold, chapter 43, the corn runs out. They're drawn back to this mysterious man, the, the Savior of the world. In chapter 44, he brings them to his house. He eats with them, uh, and, and he once again confronts them with their guilt. They, 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 man, it's, if you go back and read chapter 44, they are talking to each other in, in their Hebrew tongue, and they're saying, Reuben, did you hear what this man said? And the whole time they think he don't understand Hebrew, another time, whole time he's, he's hearing exactly what they're saying. Reuben, did you hear what he said? Uh, uh, Simeon, do you believe all this is going on? God has surely brought us down here to smite us. Our guilt has found us out. But then chapter 45 comes along, and we find the revelation of Joseph to his brother. If you want to stand for the reading of God's word, Genesis chapter number 45, verse number 1. 
Genesis 45, verse number 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Call us every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said to his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not that you sent me hither, but God hath made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the lands of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near to me, and, thy, and thou and thy children, thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and, and, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that, that, is, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste to bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck uh, and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren, and he wept upon him, and after his brother and talked with him. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful to us. Thank you, Lord, for honoring your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given us through your word. Lord, thank you for the precious promises of salvation, God, that those of us who put our faith in your precious Son can have everlasting life in and through your Son, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the promises you give us that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for the, for, for, for the pictures that you've given us all through your word, God, of Christ and of how he, how he lived and he died and he rose again so that we could have everlasting life. Help us, Lord, to honor you with everything that we can say this evening. Father, please forgive me. Help me, Lord, not to be a performer or make a presentation, but God, help me to preach your word the way you'd want it said. And we ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. Be seated. So, we have all this background. All this background. Everything. And don't that sound just like what God done to us? Let me, let me, let me, let me back up and say it like this. I, I've just been giving you the, the Bible part of it. But we find the gospel being preached to us was somewhat foreign. But when we heard there was something better, it drew us with our attention. Now, we didn't even know what we were getting ourselves into or what we were after. But God, by his cords of mercy, begins to draw every sinner that comes in the world for the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And we know this. And as this happens, uh, we, they are drawn. Now, some, because of their own choice, not because of anything else, they decide not to look for corn in Egypt. They decide not to look for the goodness that, that God has to offer for them. And they reject and they turn away, friend, and... We know the, the, the sad end of that story. But for those, for those who, 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 who follow the or, or, or answer the calling to God, there's a few things that begins to happen right here. And from verses number 1 to verse number 5, we find there's a revelation of Joseph, of, of who he is. In verse number 1, this revelation is told to be an exciting revelation. The Word of God said in verse 1, Then Joseph could not refrain himself. I love this picture right here, Brother Mark, in that this is a picture uh, from, from, from the Savior's side. I think sometimes we look at salvation just from our side. And oh man, it's good to look at it from our side, but can you look right here and see what, what, it, what the Bible says? He was excited 
to offer us salvation. We forget this, that God's purpose to send His only begotten Son so that we can have everlasting life. And He gets excited. He could not refrain Himself to tell us who He was. The gospel being preached, the gospel being presented. One day Jesus Christ, uh, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, comes to right where we are, whether we're in a church pew, whether we're at a schoolhouse, praise the Lord. Ain't it good He'll follow you to school? <laughs> Ain't it good He'll follow you wherever you are? You can be at an old parsonage. You can be at a duck plant. You can be at the house. You can be at school, you can be at church, but he'll follow you to where you need to be. And as he comes there, he is more excited than you are to offer you what he can give you. Oh, friend, he has a deal that you just can't turn down. <laughs> Ain't that good stuff? He's excited. Joseph couldn't, 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 couldn't even contain himself. This was the man who was dignified, the savior of the world, the second in command. And he's just, man, he falls all to pieces. As this happens, he begins to... i got to go out tears in my eyes so I can read my notes. As this happens, he begins to, to, to tell everybody, get out of here. You Egyptians, y'all ain't got nowhere here. This message is not for you right now. As this happens, we find that uh, we find it's an exclusive message. It's exciting in verse number one, but it's also exclusive. Cause every man to go out from me. I remember when I was lost, I remember looking around the church to wonder who else was being preached to. Did you ever do that when you was lost? Wonder who else is being preached to. I hope I ain't the only lost one in here because then the gig's up, friend. It all, I don't know if anybody y'all else ever done that, but I've done that. I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't alone, but we find when the message comes, when the revelation happens, the Lord's excited, but it's also exclusive. Let me explain to you a little bit more how exclusive it gets. In verse number three, or sorry, verse number two, we find this, this exclusive message connects in that it was not, there was no need of an interpreter. Here's what the Word of God says in verse number 2. Uh, the Word of God said, and, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and all the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph. Now if you go and read the book of Genesis, this whole time he has needed an interpreter. This whole time, Brother Philip, he was playing dumb. He was, he was having so-and-so over here interpret between them 12 brethren and him, or them 11 brethren and him. They were saying one thing, and he was saying another. And friend, he wasn't communicating with them directly. But when the revelation happened, there was no need of an interpreter. He began to speak to them exactly what they needed to hear. And what he told them wasn't nothing. Listen, I think sometimes we mess this thing up. And I do know there's condemnation when we find ourselves lost in sin. But I think we look at this wrong. This is an exciting thing when the Lord reveals himself to a sinner. The sad part's when a sinner doesn't respond. I think that's the reason some people don't respond to the gospel because we preach it sometimes as being, oh, it's gonna, God's going to get you, God's going to get you. No, he wants to know you. Yeah, am, I, am I right? I think sometimes, I think that's sometimes that's the problem. God's going to get you. Oh, he's a God, and he wants you to jump this high, Brother Joe, so that you can reach up and get salvation. But we fail to realize that his, his connecting message is relevant to you, and he just says, I want to give it to you, and I want to know you. I think we mess up sometimes with that church. He told them exactly what they needed to hear in their natural Hebrew tongue. He told them exactly what they needed to hear, and what did they need to hear? I'm Joseph. <laughs> this whole time, they didn't know who he was. I'm Joseph. I remember after I first got saved thinking that was, that, that was, that was too, matter of fact, give me trouble years on the road, that was too simple. Too simple. I tried to figure out what I'd done. But the whole, <laughs> the whole deal is, he was Jesus. And I realized who he is. And friend, can you, is there anything else with other than me realizing who he is? When I realized who he was, it all changed. No longer was he a, 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 a bad king who was trying to get me. 
But now he's my only hope, and that's who he is. He didn't give a, give a great big thing. Here's what y'all need to do if y'all want to know me. He just said, I'm Joseph. Does my father yet live? Listen, as this happened, we find verse number 3, the word of God said they were troubled as his presence. It was a condemning message. They were troubled. Their sin had found them out. They had no answer. But in verse number 4, the word of God said, and Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me. It's connected to them and convincing them. Convincing them. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. Oh, friend, we make it such a hard deal. Some of you sitting here tonight may be lost in your sin and you make it such a hard deal and you're fighting. And as God told Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You can work and you can work and you can try to stay lost. And it's so much easier when he just says, I'm Jesus, come unto me. I'm Jesus, come unto me. The best three words in this passage of scripture. The word of God said in verse number four, and they came near. <laughs> and they come near. They realized who he was, and they just simply come near to him. They didn't, they didn't have to run to where he was. They just, they just made one step. Luke 15, and while he was yet a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion upon him, and run yonder, fell upon his neck, kissed him. See, friend, we, we don't have to meet God halfway. There's no way we can. But when we turn in that moment and say, He's Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Boy, look what happens. That message convinced one step of faith them coming near, even though he knew all about them. He knew everything they'd done to him. Jacob did not know at home what had happened. Uh, he had, they had it here from Daddy Jacob, but he knew, and he still said, just come near. I want you to notice the results of this. The revelation begins in verses 1 through 4. The results begin in verse number five. Time out. Is this making sense? I, I think say, if it ain't, if I'm having fun, so just leave me alone. But uh, it, it, it is what it is, right? Look, it said in verse number five. In verse number five, there was pardon. That's part of the results. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Friends, so many of us, after we realize who he is, we fight ourselves over what we used to be. But Joseph's first words to him is, I don't even know what y'all done anymore. Don't be grieved. Listen, I'm not mad. I'm not grieved. Don't be grieved with yourselves. I've already forgiven you. You're already forgiven. And I come here to preserve life. He says there in verse number 6, God did send me before your presence. I'm sorry, in verse number 5, to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years. So we find there is pardon, but then there's also provision. I ain't never been took care of like I, like I have since I've known the Lord Jesus. Have you? I ain't never been took care of. We said that the young lady sing the song, he's been faithful, faithful to me. Friend, I don't even, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around it. Sometimes I get so busy doing what I do, I forget how faithful he's been. He makes provisions. He said, these, I've, been prepare, I've been preparing these seven years just for y'all. Oh, I hope all Egypt can enjoy it. But God sent me here to take care of y'all. God sent me here when y'all th when y'all threw me in a pit back yonder and and and, and didn't esteem me. Y'all esteemed me stricken, smitten of God. When y'all threw me there and, and and I got sent to Potiphar's wife and I got lied on about that. When I got left in the dungeon and, and for, for for years, when all this happened, y'all thought that I that I that it was gone and, and no good. But I done all that. God sent me there for you. 
Jesus said he didn't come to seek and save that were whole, but those that were sick. The righteous ain't got a need for a physician, or the whole don't have a need for a physician. Jesus said he didn't come to seek and save the righteous, but the lost sheep. That's who we come for. I prepared all this for you. Provision in verse number 6 and 7. I'm almost done. Word of God said in verse number 10 that he prepared for us the place of proximity. Look what he said in verse number 10. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me. Look, it's not over. Look, thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. I've not only made provision for you, but all those that can come with you. <laughs> all those that can come with you. I've, made, I've, I've done got a place prepared for them also. Me and Jericho was on the way here this evening and we got to talk about our, our families and we got to talk about how one generation can make or break everything, friend. This is how vital this is. Uh, one generation, one generation of, of a Christ-honoring, Christ-serving family can alter eternities for hundreds and thousands. But one generation of turning their back on Christ, walking away from the truth of the gospel and the truth of Scripture can doom and damn thousands just like that, that, that can happen. But when God made provisions and God made a proximity, a place near unto Him so that He could nourish them, so that He could give them generations of nourishment, he done it for whoever you can bring. Get them on board. <laughs> Jericho says, why do you laugh? That's my way of coping sometimes. I don't know. Sometimes I, instead of crying, I laugh. I don't know. I, it's unbelievable, Brother Philip. Come near to me. I want you to notice this next thing. Not only their proximity, but I don't want you to notice what he said in verse number 13. He said, now go back to Joseph. Go back to, I mean, go back to Jacob, my daddy, and get him. Bring him here quick as you can. We can go to chapter 46 and talk about the wagons and all that type of good stuff. He said in verse number 13, and ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt. And of all that you have seen, and ye shall haste and bring him down here farther. Uh, down, down him, father hither, I'm sorry. So we find there's provisions in verse number 6 and 7. There's proximity in verse number 10. We find a picture of praise in verse number 13. Tell my father all my glory. Tell my father all my glory. Now sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes what we call praise and worship is wanting other folks to see us. Now not always, but I've done it. You probably have to. We don't got to be dishonest with one another. But what is, what is genuine praise? Genuine praise is me telling the Father about how good the Son is. He inhabits the praise of His people. And the Father don't like, listen, man, I, I'm glad God ain't like us because I'd get tired of hearing it. Wouldn't you? I'd get tired of hearing all our belly aching, moaning, complaining, Lord, why ain't that, I got this? Why don't this happen? But what praise happens here, He said, I can't go there too, but you go there and tell Him of how good I am. Our prayer life should consist of telling the Father how good the Son is. I believe that. Before we go there and say, Lord, I need this, and give me, give me, give me, give me, Lord, look at what your Son has done. Lord, I, Father, I just want to thank you for just a few minutes for, 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 for letting us borrow your Son on earth for 33 and a half years so that he could live sinlessly for that amount of time, so that he could bleed and die, so that we could have everlasting life. Lord, we can be near unto you. Father, we can be near unto you, but, and we want to just tell you how good he is. You want to get somebody's attention, you tell them how good their youngins is. Or either tell them how bad their youngins is. Amen? Uh, but you go and tell them. This morning I was teaching Sunday school and uh, 
Miss Tatum, who was teaching Mays' class, her mama come in there, she kind of took over, she come there, she said, I just want to tell you, Mays did such a good job on his books of the Bible. Such a good job. And I'm like, yeah, that's my youngin. Right? Now, if she'd have come in there and said, Mays couldn't remember none of them, I'd say, yeah, that's my youngin. Right? And I, I, but he did such a good job. And you know what? I'm sitting there in my chair. I'm like, I appreciate that, Miss Tatum. That's, that's, I'm glad to hear that. It made me happy. Imagine what it makes a father feel like. We go to the father and say, let me tell you how good your son is. Let me tell you how good he's been to us. Man, he's better than we can deserve. Listen, we should brag on Jesus to the Father. If we lift him up to the Father, we won't help but lift him up to others. I'm done. Verse number 15. We find there's provision, proximity, and praise. Verses number 6, verses number 10, verses number 13. Verse number 15, I'm done. We find there was a privilege that they then had. The word of God said, moreover, he kissed all his brethren, and he wept upon them. And after this, I'm sorry, I get back to my place. And after that, his brethren talked with him. After he had done, this is, and this is a little short chapter, he revealed who he is. He's made himself known. They came near. He told them that, that he pardoned them. He gave them proximity and privilege. He, gave them, he, gave them, he told them to go back and praise, praise him before their daddy. But he said, before you go, I want you to just hang out here with me for a little bit. I'm done. How much, how much time do we take? I'll figure out how to say this the best way. Do we take the privilege that we have to just sit and talk to him for granted? Today, I'm going to tell you this, friend. In my, in my worst a wicked, wickedest moment since I've been saved, which ain't been many, praise God. But my worst of moments since I've been saved, Brother Joe, if you told me you can't go talk to God, you can't go talk to the Father, you can't go talk to the, through, the, through the, the, the aid of the Son, through the mediation of the Son, you can't do that, I'd be devastated. Knowing that it's always there is like our ace in the hole, right? But are we taking advantage of that privilege? They talk to him. Others weren't there to talk to him. All of Egypt couldn't talk to him. They had to have liaisons and intercessors. But his brethren, which he made himself known to, they could come. Scripture tells in the book of Hebrews that we can go boldly or come boldly into his throne of grace. We can make intercession to him and through him at that throne of grace. This would have none been possible had he had not done what he'd done. When he went and I don't understand everything. We were talking about it this week. I don't understand everything that happened after the resurrection of Jesus. But as he took his blood to the mercy seat up yonder, I, I don't know what exactly happened, but what he done was he kicked down a great big wall. That great big wall that I couldn't ever get to God through. I, I couldn't talk to God, but now I have a, now I have a, as Job said, a daysman. I got somebody that take God by the hand and somebody that take man by the hand. See, because God... People say, God understands. No, he don't. God doesn't understand me in my sinfulness. He, he, he made us perfect in the garden, but then when we, we defiled that, he doesn't understand that. So Jesus came in flesh, dwelt among sinful men, so that he could take sinful man by the hand, though he knew no sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin. And then he grabs God by the hand and becomes the mediator, the intercessor, and the word of God said that we can go to him. We can talk to God. We've got great privilege. When have we taken advantage of that? Have we taken advantage of that? Are we living life, friend? I'm, I'm done. Are we living life like we're a beggar? 
or like we know the king? Are we living life starving to death in Egypt, outside of Egypt? Or are we where we need to be? Christ Jesus. He revealed himself to us. Thank God for what, for what he done. Thank God for him showing himself to me. Thank God that he didn't require nothing of me. Thank God, even though I was the reason he was there, <laughs> he didn't require nothing of me. And friend, he's given me these things. Are we taking advantage of it? God bless you, friend. Daddy, I don't know how you want to do it if you want to have a verse of song. A simple message, nothing complicated, nothing complex. Today, maybe, maybe friend, you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Oh, please quit fighting. Please quit kicking. I'm not going to try to scare you into nothing because that ain't going to work. I just wish you'd quit. This life would be a whole lot simpler if you just realize He is who He is. Put your faith in Him and it's done. Get, get rid of all the things that you think and all the things that you want to feel and put your faith in Christ Jesus. Put your faith in Him. You can have the pardon, the proximity, the privilege to know Him. And what a great privilege it is to call upon such a great and mighty God. God bless your friends. We have a verse of invitation song.